And to help you tune in where we're going today, I'll take you back to when I was a kid growing up in Hurricane, Mississippi. Uh, tuning into TV channels back when I was that age was not an easy task. We, we grew up so rurally. My dad had to put up like this 250-foot tall pole. Now, for those of you who love your house to look a certain way, this would not have fit your style very well. It was just a big old metal pole. My mom absolutely hated it. But to pick up the three channels we could pick up, all of our channels coming out of Memphis, in case you don't know, North Mississippi, Memphis, two hours apart, that was our TV stations. We had three of them. Here was the only problem. You couldn't watch any of the three at the same time. If you turned your antenna one way, you could pick up one. If you turned it the other way, you could pick up the other one. If you turned it a third way, you could pick up that one. Y'all remember these box TVs, right? Did you know all those came with remotes? Yes, they're called kids. I was the remote. Yes, y'all remember, right? Hey, go change it to three. Okay, go turn the antenna. I'm not sure how I got all those jobs, but I got remote and antenna changing turner person. And so I would run outside, and we had a window right above the TV, and the pole was right there, but you couldn't turn it from inside. So I'd go outside, and it'd be 15 degrees, and you would touch the pole, and your hands would almost freeze to it. And I would start to turn it. No, 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 not that way, the other way. Right there, don't move. Oh, so what's that mean, don't move? I mean, like, you can't come back inside and watch. You just have to hold the antenna because, no kidding, y'all know how antennas work, right? Sometimes static electricity affects it. I would turn loose. What did you do? You messed it up. Boom. Oh, that's perfect. Stay right there. No, 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 don't turn it. And so, so tuning in, tuning in took some adjustment. It took some effort in core for us to, to kind of go from the scrambled picture to the clear picture. Well, believe it or not, that's biblical. And you're like, TV antennas and, and all that, no, not exactly. But the tuning in in order to get a clear picture is biblical. We see it in the life of Paul. Here Paul is in chapter 16 of the book of Acts. He's on his second missionary journey. Paul is doing what he knows to do, which is to teach people about Jesus. But while he's trying to teach people about Jesus, Paul figures out that sometimes he has to turn into the path that God has for him. He was on the path but he wasn't exactly on the right path. And it wasn't disobedience. It was just not a clear picture. And so as Paul is trying to go into this second missionary journey, he wants to turn this way and go tell people about Jesus, which is what he should do. And God said no. And then Paul wants to go this way and tell people about Jesus, which is exactly what Paul's supposed to be doing. But God said no. And then all of a sudden, God through a vision, which was kind of his antenna, the Holy Spirit antenna directing Paul and clarifying for Paul, says, hey, I want you to go this way. And as Paul went that way, we start to see this alliance with like-minded believers. We start to see the Holy Spirit work. They pick up another person in their missionary team and the church starts to expand. And so church, it leads us to this. God, as we tune into Him and try to find the right path, expects us to be active in staying active in the path as we're seeking the right path. But here's what He's going to do. During the path, He's going to close some doors. He's going to open some doors. We just need to figure out what doors we're looking for. We need to figure out what we're supposed to do while we're waiting for the doors to close or waiting for the doors to open because it's not an inactivity journey, it's an active journey. And so this morning, what we want to learn from Paul and Silas and Timothy and then Luke, because it ends up being four of them in this group together, is some very practical things we can apply to our journey that helps us to recognize this path that God has designed for us. And here's the deal, please hear me. Don't be frightened by this, but he may change yours from time to time. You might be doing exactly what you know God's called you to do, and God goes, no, I don't want you to do it this way anymore. I want you to do it this way. 
And so today, we want to talk about being sensitive to that. How do we determine that? How do we sense that? How do we notice it? What do we do about it when we find it? Those are some of the questions we want to answer this morning as we start there in chapter 16. So pray with me. Let's get our hearts and minds really focused on what we need to study. Father, we love you. We offer to you continued praise and worship now. Lord, not necessarily in song, yet definitely in prayer. But Father, more so in just a minute, in engagement of our minds. And so Father, since we are not infinite creatures. We are still finite. Since we are not yet holy, we're in the process of being made holy, and yet you are an infinite God and a holy God and a righteous God. Here's what we ask from you. As we're trying to engage our minds, help us. Help us to engage in this inspired truth authored by your Holy Spirit. So Father, empower your spirit within us, but Father, also gift us with wisdom. For Lord God, if we come across this information and we disseminate that information and we receive it, but we don't do anything with it, we don't apply it, then it's just wasted information because this information without application is useless. But Father, sometimes I read this, I'm like, okay, Lord, what's that mean? What do you want me to do with this? And so Father, thankfully, you have an answer for us. The book of James says, ask you for the gift of wisdom. And here's what the book of James says in response to that gift. You will always say yes every time. Every time when we request that gift, you will give it to us, and you will give it to us abundantly, generously, without ever criticizing our Father not enjoying us asking. You love for us to ask you. So, Father, give us wisdom that, Father, these truths you're about to reveal to us and disseminate to us, Father, we will take those truths and we will apply them. For in that, you will continue in this process of making us true followers of Jesus. Father, thank you for this gift in advance. And all of God's people said, amen. Okay, so study with me this morning as I start reading there in verse 6 of chapter 16. They went through the region of Phrygia and Galatia. Okay, so just to give you an idea map-wise, I've kind of got, gotten you a map. Okay, so if you look up, you'll see Galatia up here in the green. And right there where the green and red come together, right above Pamphylia, you'll see Phrygia. So, so this is where they are headed. Now, remember how they started their journey? They've been down in Jerusalem. Uh, they came to a conclusion that all these Gentile believers did not have to convert to Judaism. Salvation is by grace. It's not by following law. Yet, if you are saved, there are certain behaviors you should display. So they've come to a great agreement in Antioch. Now the church at Antioch, right here on the right, where it says Syria, there's Antioch right there by the bay. And so they've left the church at Antioch. They've headed out. Here they go around the bay, and they're headed across to Tarsus. That makes sense. Paul was from Tarsus. And so remember, this is the missionary journey, so they're going to need supplies because they walk for days. And so they go through Tarsus where they know people, probably picked up some support financially, probably picked up some food, clothing, those types of things. So now they're headed across Cilicia. They go up to Derby. They make it to Lystra. Lystra is where they find Timothy. Timothy becomes the guy that Paul is writing to in First and Second Timothy. It's kind of his protege. It's his young pastor that he's making into this elder that he wants Timothy and God wants Timothy to be. And so they pick up. So there, there's three now. So when it says they, the they that Luke is writing about is Paul, Silas, and Timothy. So you've got this three-man team, and they want to go over there to Virgia. They want to minister in Galatia. But notice what happens. Now remember, they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. We're trying to tell people about Jesus. So here's what I want you to understand. While you're waiting for God to display for you His perfect will to open up the doors you're seeking, do something in the meantime. You don't sit by idly and go, oh, well, until God really shows me what I'm supposed to do, I'm just going to kind of sit here. No, 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 we're not mushrooms. We don't just sit there. We're movers, shakers. We're going to be doing what we know we're supposed to be doing. When we get to the end of the day, we're going to talk about what we know we're supposed to be doing to clarify it for you. 
But here's the deal. There's things we know we're supposed to do. Be doing those while you're waiting for God to have you do what He wants to do. And so be doing what we're supposed to do. They're doing that. They're moving. But notice what happens. They had been forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. If you look at the red, notice right in the center of that, Asia refers to a Roman designation. That was known as Asia. You do understand that's not the same Asia you and I would call Asia. We call Asia where the Asian people are. That, that's more Japan, China, Korea. That, that, that is what we now refer to as Asia. That's not here. This is a completely different area. This is what we would call the Near East area. So they're going to go into Ephesus and all these Greek communities. And so this is what they referred to as Asia during the time of Paul. So that's what Luke is using, is a Gentile designation. Luke is writing to Gentiles, so he uses a Roman designation for the area. But notice what it says. The Holy Spirit had forbidden them. The word forbidden there is the Greek word koyo. Koyo means to hinder. Now you know what it means to hinder somebody, right? You know, it's like somebody is standing at the free throw line in basketball and you're wanting to shoot and another person illegally, they can't do this, but steps right in front of them and just waves their hand right there. Are they really preventing them from shooting? No, they can shoot if they want to shoot. But how successful will they be more than likely? Not. Well, this is what the Holy Spirit was doing. Hey, we want to go here and the Holy Spirit says, and you're going to go home and tell your kids that, and they're going, that's not what the Bible says. What is Pastor Justin talking about? We don't know what the Holy Spirit did. Here's what we know. The Holy Spirit did not let them do what they wanted to do. Now, they're trying to do what God has set them out to do, but they're trying to do it their way. So, so please hear me. Sometimes, in you trying to even please God, you're not doing it the way God wants you to do it, so He's going to hinder you. Sometimes he's going to hinder you. Now, you do understand, sometimes the enemy hinders you as well. Our job is to figure out which one's talking to us. Is it the enemy trying to hinder us, or is it God himself saying, no, I'm not letting you do it this way. I've got something for you to do. You're trying it, but you're not doing it the way I have for you. So do understand, sometimes God himself will hinder you to get you going the way he wants you to go, to get you on the journey he has for you. All right, so when they tried, to, when they, tried they came to Mysia, they tried to go into Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus did not allow them. All right, so here's the thing. The word tried to go is actually the word parazo in Greek. And parazo, parazo is the root word. It's a word that means testing or examining. And they're not testing God in that like they're like, let's see if we can poke God's buttons. It's not that kind of test of God. It is, hey, God blocked me from doing it this way. I still want to serve God. What if I try it this way? There's nothing wrong with that. It's kind of like, hey, I've been praying for the Lord to open up a job for me, and, and this door has not closed. I'm still not convinced this is the right thing, but I'm going to try. You do know that's okay. Unless God shuts that door, then, then it's okay. Now, keep in mind, that does not mean that's the, the determined path. However, He may let you try it to point out to you, hey, I wanted you to wait just a little bit longer. I wanted you to be a little more patient. So Paul, who we, we know from Scripture, is probably not the most patient of all the apostles. Paul gets pretty active. So what does Paul do? Hey, I can't go down there. We're supposed to tell people about Jesus, so we're going to go up there. And the Holy Spirit said, no, not yet. Not yet. But Paul didn't stop and pout. He didn't hang his head and cry. What did Paul keep doing? Okay, let's keep moving. We know we're supposed to do this. We're supposed to tell people about Christ. So let's keep moving. Let's continue to do what we know we're supposed to do. Passing by Mysia, they went down to Troas. Um, this is kind of funny. Down to Troas doesn't make any sense to me because they're coming from down here in the green, and they go to the very tip top of the red. So down to Troas. 
but it says they passed by Mysia. So I guess they kind of veered up to Mysia and then down to Troas because I'm trying to get in my head the wording of Scripture. So, so y'all remember the stories of Troy, you know, the Trojan horse and all that? That's Troas, in case y'all don't know. That's another name for the area known as Troy. And so this is a very prominent region. Lots of Greek speakers there. Very few Jewish personalities there. So you've got a lot of pagan pagan governments. You've got a lot of pagan worship taking place. And so a great place for somebody to tell people about Jesus. Notice this. During the night, Paul had a vision. Um, let me clarify what vision means. It's the word orama in Greek. And it means something that is physically seen. So Paul, Paul is not necessarily having a dream. Have you ever had a dream and know that you're having a dream? This is not that. This is, he is seeing something that he perceives as very real. This is not dreamlike to him. He, what, what I'm about to share with you, the way this is worded in Greek, he sees it as tangible as these chairs that, that we're actually in. So he sees this as a very tangible thing, something almost he can touch, taste, feel. That's how real this vision is to him. During the night, Paul had a vision in which a Macedonian man was standing and pleading with him. Cross over to Macedonia and help us. Now, to give you an idea of what we're talking about, Macedonia is in the top left of our map. That's the orange-looking area. There's going to be Philippi and Amphiopolis and Neapolis, all those, all those Greek, again, cities. And, and so this is where this man, this vision is calling from. Verse 10, after he had seen the vision, we... All right, so get this. How did this passage start out in verse 6? What was the first word? They... All right, so Luke at some point joined the journey. So you got Paul, Silas, Timothy, and at some point we, meaning Luke, has joined them. So somewhere between Lystra and Troas, Dr. Luke has come on board. And so now Luke is part of this journey, and so here's what they do. Notice, so as soon as Paul gets the vision from God, so here's what I want you to do. Notice what their response was. We immediately, all right, so you've been asking God for direction. When God then gives you direction, when are you supposed to respond to it with action? Right then. If God has called you to a ministry role and you're still dragging your feet, you're in disobedience. If you've been praying for a relationship and God has opened up a door to you because of fear, you're still not willing to enter, be careful what you ask for. If you're not ready for God to deliver it, don't ask for it. Because in faith, if you're trying to do it for His glory and His honor, He will answer those prayers. Because they're not about self, they're about him. And so now Paul has an answer to his prayer, and what does the group do immediately? Notice what it says. They made efforts to set out for Macedonia. The word made efforts, that phrase is the teo in Greek, and it means to seek information, to plan, to try, to attempt. See, here's the deal. I asked God to show me what he wants me to do. I asked God to open the doors, but you know what he expects you to do after that? Get after it. Go to work. This is not pixie dust land where God sprinkles Tinkerbell's pixie dust and you just automatically, magically arrive at, at paradise. That's not how it works. God expects us to make an effort in His plan for us. He makes an effort. He opens up the door, shows us a pathway, a plan. Then He expects you to get in it. Get down with it. That's pretty cool. Well, that's almost the 70s kind of stuff. Get down with it. You didn't know that was spiritual. And see, so here we are, get, get, you know, we get in the plan and we become a part of what God is having us do. They concluded that God had called them to preach the gospel in Macedonia. Verse 11, from Troas we put out to sea, we sailed straight to Samothrace. Uh, I've given you a picture of this, Jeff, on the next slide. Down in the bottom right, y'all, this is Samothrace, in case you've never been there. 5,000 foot peak, it just jets up, it's a volcanic island, just jets up out of the sea. 
they went there because that's the next, that's the first port that you get to from Troas. Now, what you're going to see is they're going to name three different cities. They're going to name three different cities. Those three different cities normally take five days to reach because the last one is Philippi. So normally that's a five-day journey. They got there in three. Paul later talks about this. Like, hey, man, we got there in three days. You know what the teaching lesson in that is? If you really are on the path God has opened up for you, he will facilitate you getting to where you're going. If you're on a journey and you're asking God to show you and you keep butting your head against the wall, it's very possible you're taking the wrong turns. Y'all remember Bugs Bunny, right? Pops up and he goes, I must have taken a wrong turn at Albuquerque. Y'all remember that, right? Sometimes we as Christ followers take a wrong turn because we, we get impatient. We want God to do something right now, and so we start trying to push doors open ourselves as opposed to patiently waiting. However, if I wait for God to open the correct door, then he facilitates my way of getting there. And so they get there in three days. So obviously Philippi is where they were headed. They just didn't know when they set out. It took a long time for them to do this. The next day to Neapolis and from there to Philippi. In case y'all don't know my history people, you do know this. Uh, Philippi used to be called Crinides. Crinides was this very powerful island until this guy named Philip showed up. Anybody remember Philip from back in Roman history? This is Alexander the Great's daddy. Now, Alexander was a pretty bad dude, but his daddy was a pretty powerful dude too. So Philip captures and takes over Crinides, establishes a Roman military base there, and because he's Philip, he renames the island what? Philippi, island of Philip. I mean, that's, you know, get it? And so Philip has renamed it after himself. So it's this big Roman colony, a leading city in the district of Macedonia. Now remember, Macedonia is a Roman designation. So this is Roman control. So you've got cities with armies. You've got roadways. You've got water. You've got food. And so if there's a good way to spread the gospel, you go to places where there's lots of people. There's lots of people here. So this is why, this is why God had led Paul up to that region. We stayed in that city for several days. On the Sabbath day, now keep in mind, keep in mind, the Sabbath day is not referring to Sunday. The Sabbath is still referring to the Jewish Sabbath. Why? Because Paul's strategy was the same every place he went. Because I'm a Jew, even though I'm a Christian Jew, because I'm a Jew, I'm going to go and speak to Jews first. Why? Because we've got the Old Testament in common. Now remember, they didn't call it Old Testament. That's stuff we call it in English. It was the Hebrew Bible. It was the Scriptures, the Law, the Nomos. And so Paul would have had the nomos in common with any Jewish person. So if I'm going to tell people about the Messiah, I'm going to start with people who've at least heard about the Messiah. They may not know Messiah is Jesus, but they've been taught prophecy about Messiah. So my, my, my structure is this. I'm going to seek out like-minded people first. And, and in seeking out like-minded people, sometimes we'll form an alliance, we'll become partners, sometimes they'll stone me to death. That's just kind of how it worked for Paul. It was kind of 50-50 operation, right? Sometimes he showed up and they hated him. Sometimes he showed up and they became his partners. And so he does what he always does. Here's the only problem you'll see what the problem is. On the Sabbath day, we went outside the city gate by the river where we expected to find a place of prayer. Um, normally, Paul went straight to a synagogue. In case you don't know, there was not a single synagogue in Philippi. Here's why. To have a Jewish synagogue orchestrated or ordained, there would being a rabbi or a male teacher there, you had to have 10 heads of household, meaning there had to be 10 males, not of the same household for them to establish a synagogue. So obviously Philippi didn't have enough Jewish population. So here's what the Jews would do in those cities where there was no synagogue. They would go outside the city gate because remember, 
if this is a city gate of a pagan city and you're a covenant member of the Old Testament community of faith, you didn't hang out with pagans when you worship God. So what did they do? They didn't have a temple. They didn't have a synagogue. So they would go outside the city gate so as to separate from pagan influence and then they would have their prayer time. Well, Paul and Silas knew, well, there's going to be Jews here somewhere. God would not have sent us if we didn't have somebody to hook up with. And so they go outside the city gate and they start looking for these like-minded people. Notice what they find. We sat down and spoke to women gathered there. So this lets you know again, they didn't have enough men to form a synagogue, but the women are faithful in their faith, and here they are praying, and Paul and them find these ladies. There was a God-fearing woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple cloth from the city of Thyatira, and she was listening. Now, there's a couple things real quick about, about Lydia need to catch on. It says she's a God-fearing woman. What that does not mean is that she's a good Jew. God-fearing is a terminology that is used of a Greek person who worships Yahweh but has not converted to Judaism. And so she's a Greek person who believes in the Jewish God Yahweh, our Father God, Father of Jesus. Now she's, she's a God-fearer, but she is not a practicing Jew. She has not converted. For some reason, she connects with them. Notice it says she's a dealer in purple. Purple is the color of royalty. So if she's selling purple cloth, that means she is a significant somebody. She's not just somebody. In the Greek culture, she is a very significant somebody, meaning God has now introduced Paul with somebody who's like-minded, who's got some resources to help Paul's ministry. Y'all do see how God works all this out, right? Paul didn't go there looking for money. Paul goes there and finds Lydia, who's going to have some resources to help Paul as he needs money. That's how God works and orchestrates all this stuff. So again, if you're on the right path, God doesn't just open the door, but he provides you what you will need to complete that journey. That's how this works every time. So this God-fearing woman named Lydia, a dealer in purple from the city of Thyatira, was listening. Notice this next phrase. The Lord opened her heart to respond to what Paul was saying. Man, listen, we talk about salvation all the time. You need to be clear in understanding how salvation takes place. Paul is doing what Paul is supposed to do. He has a strategy. I'm going to go tell people about the fulfillment of prophecy, his name, not its name, not her name. His name is Jesus. And as I go and tell people about Jesus, here's the thing. Paul cannot make a single person believe and accept Christ. Silas can't, Timothy can't, Luke can't. Notice, when Paul does what he's supposed to do, then God through his Holy Spirit does what? The Bible said he allowed Lydia to hear in her heart. It is the word cardia. It's where we get the English word cardiac. But you do know it doesn't mean heart. It is the word in Greek that means mind, the inner self, the soul. And so God was the one who took the very words of Paul and through his Holy Spirit allowed the heart, the heart of Lydia to hear the gospel and thus believe it and respond to it in salvation. So please hear me. There is not a single human being other than Jesus Christ that has ever led another soul to salvation. Not one. Not one. So people can say, oh, I led them to the Lord. No, you didn't. You may have told them about the Lord, but it is only the Lord that leads people to the Lord. It is only the Lord that can impact the heart, which is actually the mind. And so again, understand what's taking place. It's the same thing that happened in your salvation experience. Somebody else may have told you about Jesus, preached about Jesus, Bible studied about Jesus, prayed about Jesus, but it is only Jesus who saved you. And so that's who you accredit with your salvation. Because even here with this super apostle Paul, who if there was anybody who could have put on his resume, I led thousands to the Lord. But you never see that on Paul's resume. 
Not one place. It's not mentioned. He told thousands of people about Jesus, but he never led anybody to him because only the Spirit can do that. And so again, we see actually the Holy Spirit leading people to salvation. Final verse we're going to look at. After she and her household were baptized, she urged us, if you consider me a believer in the Lord, come and stay at my house. And she persuaded us. So again, we're looking for these like-minded affiliations. But church, here's the part I don't want you to miss. That whole passage of Scripture, it's about recognizing the path of God. It's about recognizing the journey God has us on and knowing which way to go while even trying to pick some choices ourselves and not being absolutely correct, but being faithful to stay on it. Here's what it reminded me of. Just saw the commercial last night. Fidelity Investments. Let me go ahead and clarify. Here's my disclaimer. I'm not a customer, nothing against them, nothing for them. I know nothing about them but this. They've got the green line. Y'all ever seen the green line? If you walk on the green line, you retire well. I have no idea what that means exactly. But if you follow the green line, you get where you're going. That's the commercial, literally. Watching last night. Boop, there it is. Green line. Fidelity Investments. They're all about retirement and tax benefits. And so if you follow the plan that the green line Fidelity has for you, then you end up arriving where you have set out to go. Here's the only problem with the green line. The green line is whose plan for whom? It is our plan for ourselves. It's where I want to go. It's where I want to finish. It's where I want to land. Here's the only problem. As a Christ follower, are you designed to follow your path? No. You were saved to follow whom's path? His path. And so nothing against fidelity, nothing against the green line, but we need to be following the red line. You're like, what? Yeah, the blood path of Jesus, the one that he bought for us. We're supposed to be following that line. And so what does it look like as a Christ follower if I am truly seeking out God's path for me? From this text, what are things that I see need to be happening if I'm following the true line? Number one, here's what needs to be happening. We're going to re... That's, that's okay, Jeff, stay right there for a minute. We're going to reorient our antenna. So, so here's the deal. As a kid, I can so remember sticking my hands to this ice-cold pole and my hands not wanting to come off. Like, they would just stick there. Y'all ever had that? I, now, I wasn't like the kid that stuck his tongue to the... I didn't do that. But even my hands would want to stick to it. But, but here's the thing. Even when it hurt and it was uncomfortable, I could still turn that antenna. So here, here's the issue for us. You may think you're right where God wants you because you've done the same thing for the last 30 years. And you've got a good rut. You know, I, I grew up on the farm, right? And, and our field roads would get wet. And that old clay mud, oh my gosh, y'all, that old clay, that stuff is awful. We, we would rut out the road. I mean, it would just be rutted out. And when you would try to get outside the rut, you know how hard it was to drive when you tried to drive out of the rut? It would almost beat you to death. Here's the thing. Sometimes we as Christ followers need to drive outside the rut. Because what we've done so long is seek what makes us comfortable and what is convenient and what is easy and what makes us happy. We've sought that for so long, for so many years, that sometimes we get into a rut. And we're not doing anything that's bad, but Satan kind of looks at us and goes, oh, no, ain't no sense messing with him or her. They're not doing anything anyway. They're just in the rut. Some of us need to reorient the antenna, right? We need to dial in and get a clear picture, not the same old picture. Y'all listen. Man, we're even past HD now. We're like in 4K or 12,000K. I don't know what it is now. Like, like, there's really clear. God's vision that he has for you is very clear. 
You simply have to have an interest in what his vision is. You have to, you have to desire to turn the antenna to figure out what is it God has for you the rest of this day. You, you do understand, he's got a vision for you for the rest of this day. God's got a plan for you to maximize the rest of this day. Not, not right now, the rest of this day. And so what does that look like? Number one, here's what it looks like. You're going to be active in doing what you know you're supposed to do. So let me clarify for you what you should be active doing today. Number one, you're going to be active in seeking the Lord. That, that, that is number one. Seek me and you will find me. Knock and you will find. There's, there's this seeking and finding issue. So, so number one, do what you're supposed to do. Seek after Jesus. The fact that you're here today, that's a great sign. That indicates that some of you are seeking the Lord and what he would have his word for you today. Then, then number two, Prayer, so, so here's things we're supposed to do. We're supposed to seek the Lord. We're supposed to dialogue with the Lord. I'm supposed to emulate the Lord, which means as a follower, I do what the person I'm following does. I cannot know what Jesus does if I don't study Jesus. There's only one book. There's been many books written about Jesus, but this is the one that is the direct revelation from Jesus. So, so there's nothing wrong with reading books about Jesus. Nothing at all. Do Bible studies about Jesus. They're great. But unless those Bible studies uses their source, this book, don't waste time on them, don't spend time on them. A Bible study should be just that, studying this. That's what it should be. Because this is the revelation of Jesus from himself to you. And so if I want to emulate him and do what he does, so these are the things I know I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to be kind to my wife today. Kindness, gentleness, self-control. That's fruit of the Spirit. So, so go back and look at Galatians 5. The fruit of the Spirit that I'm supposed to produce. These are things I'm supposed to do. This is not special. This is everybody's path. But see, here's the deal. God has a specific path for you. He has something He wants you to do. A calling that He wants you to fulfill. So I go about doing the things I know I'm supposed to do in Scripture, then being sensitive and asking for God to make it clear, hey, vocationally, is there something you prefer for me more than something else? Let me go ahead and clarify it. You are supposed to have a J-O-B. You may not have the one God has designed for you yet, but get one. Because you're to be a contributor to the community of faith. The Bible's very clear. Paul says, no work, no eat. That's how it works. Get a job. Well, I haven't found the one I want. I don't care. Keep working. Look why you work. Look on your off time. Get a paycheck. Be a producer. That's what we do. So, so do the things we know we're supposed to do while we're waiting for God to show us the extraordinary He has for us. Number two, listen for the Spirit's voice. How do we hear the Spirit's voice? Okay, so here again, no shortcuts. We'll, we'll bring this up every time. This is a book inspired by the Holy Spirit. It is written through the hands of man. It is God's book, not about Himself, but to us. It's His revelation to us. It's not just about God. It's from God. And so if you want to hear God speak directly to you, woohoo, here we go, 66 books. 66 books. There's lots of speaking to us right here. And so it's not magical, it's not pixie dust, it's work, it's hard work, you've got to study. And so Scripture is where we start to hear from God as about this specific path He has for us. Also notice in this text, other believers, Paul did not go by himself. He snatched up Silas. Silas is probably just minding his own business. Paul said, hey, come on, we're going on a trip. Silas doesn't know it's going to be years before he gets back. So he snatches up Silas. They get to Lystra. Paul says, oh, Timothy, you're a pastor. You're a pastor in the making. You're a protege. Come with us. You'll learn, son. And they get to Troas, somewhere around Troas. Luke joins the crowd. What we do is we listen to other believers. 
you do understand, I landed here at your church, now our church, because I listened to another believer. And here's what he told me, no kidding. He knew that I was looking to re-enter vocational ministry, and he said, hey, man, you ever been to Branson? I said, ah, no, just been through there. He said, man, we vacationed there. He said, I remember seeing the sign for Forsyth. There's a church there that's got an opening. You need to send your resume. No kidding, that's honest truth. Um, I had a friend of mine who had vacationed in Branson who remembered your name and said, hey, why don't you send a resume to Forsyth? I'm like, dude, you know anybody in Forsyth? No. I said, nor do I. I ain't sending a resume to Forsyth. I'm going to send it where I know people. He said, well, maybe you'll get to know them. You know, and so seven and a half years later, y'all have been stuck. And so here we go. We listen to other believers. Sometimes, sometimes there's a spiritual sense. Now, I don't know about you. This is not my greatest strength. My wife is far more sensitive spiritually, I think, than I am. And in fact, I think that's, I'm convinced one of the reasons the Lord had me marry her was because her spiritual sensitivity sometimes, she'll warn me, she'll forewarn me, hey, you need to watch out for this. You need to be aware of that. I think this is a pitfall. I think this is something that's not going to be for our benefit. I think you need to think very clearly about this. You need to pray about this. Hey, ask so-and-so about this before you do it, before you sign on to that committee. You might want to ask for this. Uh, Again, she's very, very sensitive. Um, I I wish I had more of it, but it's okay. God gave it to me through her. And and so this is just how we do. We have this spiritual sense by which we listen to God. Also, passions and our skills and our gifts. You do understand if you are on the path God has designed for you, if you're on that path, He's going to have you doing things that you're skilled at doing. He's going to give you the gifts you need to complete those things. He's going to give you a passion for those things. So if, if you're in a vocation, for instance, right now, and you are absolutely miserable, you're not utilizing any spiritual giftedness, you're not passionate about it, it is not a skill that, that you really honed and sought, it's just you're just kind of right there. Hear me once again. Continue to work. Continue to be a good employee and start pleading with the Lord to show you where He wants you to go. Show me. Give me, give me some type of connection. Give me an open door. Give me a feeling. Help me to spot it on a job search, whatever it may be. Because again, if you're really where God has you designed for, you're going to have all these things that plug into that and work in benefit of that. Number three, choose obedience. All right, so remember what we talked about? All right, God, show me where you want me to go. Boom, vision happens. It's very real to Paul. And they waited how long before they started trying to accomplish that? Then immediately. I mean, it sounds like the way Luke says, Paul has a vision, gets up and says, all right, guys, get your stuff, we're out of here. It's not daylight yet. We're walking in the dark. We got to find a boat. What do you mean we got to find a boat? We're going to Macedonia. Dude, we just got here. And I mean, because remember, they're walking. They're hoofing it. And, And Paul goes, time to go. And here's what Luke said. We immediately started trying to solve the problem. So when God gives you direction, You don't sit on that. You don't sit on your hands. If God calls you to something specifically, if you delay in being obedient, you know what you're being? Disobedient. Delayed obedience is disobedient. So if God has called you to something and you have chosen not to risk following that, because please hear me, God very rarely calls you to something that's easy. And so there's going to be risk, there's going to be challenge, there's going to be hardship, there's going to be difficulty, but if he's called you to it and you're sitting on your hands, you're in disobedience. That's why number three says choose obedience. So maybe you need to start today. 
start gathering your information today to figure out how you can follow through with what God's assigned to you. Number four, seek like-minded alliances. We've already explained that. God has spoken to me so often through my friends. Guys, I am so blessed. I serve on various boards and I'm on various committees. And, and again, here's been the greatest blessing in that. Some of those folks on those areas that I serve on are people who offer me guidance. Hey, man, I heard about this. Hey, man, I'm praying for you about this. And I've got a couple of those people I will call up and say, hey, man, here's what's going on. How would you deal with this? How would you handle that? And it has been so great to be able to call like-minded people who I know they're not going to tell me what I want to hear to make me feel good about myself. They're going to tell me what they think God would have me do. You do understand those are true friends. Not the folks who will tell you what you want to hear, but they will tell you what you need to hear. That's actually a friend, whether the other person appreciates it or not. That's a true friend. Then number five, and here's where we close, and I just voice this. Don't expect it to be convenient or easy. Here's the one thing Jesus promised that no Christian wants to talk about. You know, we want to talk about heaven, right? We want to talk about Jesus himself says he's going to come back and take me when my time's up. I'm going to give you protection. I'm going to give you all these fruit, this fruit of the Spirit, but you know what Jesus promised as much as he promised anything else? Trouble, trouble, and more trouble. And we don't see books written about that. It is not on the bestseller list. The greatest promise Jesus ever made is, is your life's going to be hard. Nobody, nobody writes that book. Rusty, there's your next one right there. That Jesus promised it was going to be tough. You know what? It, it's, it's real. And so the path God has for you may not be the smoothest, it may not be the easiest. In fact, it may be the bumpiest and the hardest and the curviest. Wait a minute, we already live here. So, so it's that road. And right now, you're trying to figure out why it's so difficult and why it's not going easy. You may be exactly where God wants you right now. Here's what he's desiring from you. Don't quit. Don't quit. Maybe you're in a rut. Maybe this morning you need to go, God, here's the deal. I love you. And I have for years, but I'm kind of stuck. I'm not really making progress. Can you, can you give me a direction today? Can you make me more willing in my spirit to drive outside the rut where it's bumpy? Because it's been too smooth for too long. Is there a new calling you can place in front of me? Is there a new direction you would be willing to allow me to go? Paul tried. Hey, let's try here. Let's try here. No, here. And so again, this morning, here's what I'm going to do. For those of you who are Christ followers, you're Christians, you know that you have a, a faith-based relationship with Jesus, I'm going to ask you to do one thing. I'm going to ask you to ask the Lord, am I right where you want me to be? In my marriage, am I right with my spouse right now where I'm supposed to be? In my relationship to my kids inside my household, am I right where I'm supposed to be? In my relationship to my church, and my service role that I'm supposed to have within the body of Christ. Galatians 6.10, we talked about it last week. Am I right where I'm supposed to be? In my relationship with my coworkers, am I right where I'm supposed to be? In my vocation, my actual job, am I right where I'm supposed to be? In my pursuit for a mate, I, I, I'm desperately lonely. In my pursuit for a mate, am I doing this rightly, correctly, in a godly fashion? Am I right where I'm supposed to be? And there may be somebody here who would say, Justin, I can go ahead and answer the questions, all, the, all those you just asked, and the answer is no, because I've never done it that way. Man, listen, I believe God is real. I believe He's just as real as the chairs we're, we're sitting in. 
But here's the thing. I've never had a life that's really submitted to what he wants for me. I've never really even asked his opinion of what he wants me to be. And so, so let me clarify for you then. You may believe God is real, but if you have not submitted yourself to his lordship over you, then you're no different, believe it or not, than what the Bible says the demons are. And please hear me. I'm not saying you're demon-possessed. Here's what I'm telling you. Even the demons believe God is real. Satan himself believes God is real, but his life is not submitted. And so you can believe God is real, but if you're here today and you would say, Justin, I hear what you're saying, and for some reason today I want to enter into this journey with God. I want to be on that path. Whatever God has for me, I want to be pleasing to Him, but I'm not there. Can you help me get there? The answer is yes, we can. Because the Bible is very clear on how we get there. And so what we do every week is, is we've got a group of people we call prayer response team. And they pray for people just like you. We don't know your name ahead of time. We're not clairvoyant. Only God knows that. But here's what we trust. If we prep every week and we pray that God will use us and those people that are on that prayer response team are just waiting for somebody like you to walk over to them and say, hey, I want you to tell me what the Scriptures say about how I become a follower of Jesus. And that's all they're going to do. They're just going to walk you through what Scripture says they're not going to ask you to stand up, raise your hand, sign anything, make any form of public confession. They're just going to give you some information. And they're going to trust that you and God are going to work that out. And so if you're interested in that today, here's how we do that. They're, they're ready. They're waiting. But they're kind of waiting for you. So when we stand up and start to pray, here's what you're going to do. Instead of standing still, you're going to do what Paul did. You're going to start moving. You're going to move right over there to those double doors. And there's going to be a couple folks waiting for you. Again, prayed up, ready for you. And all they want to do is take you to a more private place where they can sit down with you and say, hey, here's what the Bible says becoming a Christ follower truly is. Here's what it means to be a Christian. Is this something you would be interested in? Or do you want even more information? We're willing to pray with you, give you more information, meet with you further. Whatever it is, God would have you do today. That's all we're asking. If you are a Christ follower and you want some clarity, ask him. Because if you're asking for his clarity with the right motive, which is to bring him honor and glory, which is what your life is supposed to do, he will show you what he has for you. But I want you to ask only if you're prepared for it to challenge you. Because it's never 